ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Uh, this is episode 83 of the podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Joshy D uh, from Rebel 8. He's the CEO and president of uh, the company that he runs with uh, a previous guest on the show, Mr. Mike Giant. Mike does all the uh, design and art for the brand and and Joshy D takes care of all the business aspect of it. He joined me via Skype. We have there's some weird Skype was being cunty. Um there's some like sort of max headroom sound. But you know just this is all electronic now so just pretend like we're part robot a little bit or something. There's a little bit of like a uh echo that happens. So uh, don't mind it. Enjoy the conversation. I, I, I've had the opportunity to sit down with Joshi and have some of these kind of conversations over um, the years that we've known each other now. Uh, we've got to hang out in San Francisco a couple times and at some uh, local trade shows and, and whatnot. So we've, we've always had like real cool discussions that I've, that I've appreciated and always learned something from. Uh, he seems a little bit wiser than his years. Uh, for anybody looking to start a brand, and a brand could be anything, which we discuss in the show, um, there's a lot of good advice I think that uh, can be picked up from this episode. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to show a creative side of entrepreneurship as opposed to just the actual creation of imagery. Um, that's usually the dominant force in this show. So, Joshy sat down with me. Um, I've been wanting to get her on the show for a long time, and we finally set it up. So we sat down and talked lazy beards, manifesting reality, building immunities, young business owners, rat rat kids, I almost said, rad kids, Prop 37, imprisoning oneself, value, learning or die, ego checking, taking risks, goal setting, and relativity. So uh, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can get all the information. You can click on the blog or you can click right on the podcast link there and get all the information about Joshi and Rebel 8 and all the previous guests who have been on the show. Uh, make sure you go check out workingclassfilm.com, uh, the documentary that was made about Mike Giant and myself was uh, is finally out and available to the public. You can get a digital download for, I think, 10 bucks, or you can get a physical DVD uh, for 15 bucks. So make sure you go check that out, workingclassfilm.com. Send me a tweet or a Facebook. Let me know what you think. Uh, You could follow us at Live Free Podcast on Twitter. Let's go get some follows on there. I got a a fuck ton of followers on my personal Twitter, Mike Maxwell Art, and all my Mike Maxwell Art stuff. Um, Let's get some people over on the Live Free Podcast. If we get some more followers over there, I'll tweet from that one more often. I usually just post show stuff and a couple things, but I'll try to be more uh, more active if we get some more followers over there. Uh, if not, you can always get all my shit at Mike Maxwell Art as well. Coming up, I'm trying to figure out a way to get to Miami uh, for Art Basel next month. I, I did this thing last year where I sort of... I, I, put out jokingly that I needed to get a sponsorship to be able to afford the flight and accommodations and shit to get out there to go paint murals for free. And I managed to do that sort of just half-heartedly joking, uh, managed to make enough money for flight and accommodations and all that sort of shit to go paint murals for three days in Miami. 
I'm thinking about doing it again. Flights are actually much cheaper this year than they were last year, so that's kind of nice. But uh, it's still out of my budget right now to try to throw in a trip to Miami to go paint on walls. But I'd really like to make this happen, so I'm, I'm trying to. Fi- I'm gonna figure it out today and maybe post a blog about it um, on Monday, uh, which this will actually be going up on Monday as well. So you could check out. MikeMaxwellArt.com and click on the blog. Or you can um, donate to the podcast. That could actually go to the Miami Fund, too, if you are so inclined. On all the blogs about the podcast, you'll find a PayPal donation button. Uh, you could you could drop a donation to the podcast. The podcast is free and will always be free. We don't have any sponsors, but we'll take them if they're offering uh, but I kind of like being sponsored by the people. So if, if you're willing and able to do that, awesome. If not, you're still beautiful and awesome, and I love you. Um, okay, so with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joshy D. All right, let's give Joshy a call. What's up, Joshy? What's up, dude? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fine. It's been a um, long time. Your beard's looking pretty solid. You know, you're not supposed to see me on video right now. <laughs> I do. Yeah, no, uh, it's basically the beard's just laziness, complete laziness, and that's the only reason for it. You can um, you can chalk it up to the uh, Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, I like to not think about any type of cancer. <laughs> I know, it's better, right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, I think, like, like if there's some sick... Because I don't have health insurance, as like most artists, I, I just assume that there's nothing wrong with me. And just the fear of, like, going to the doctor and doing, like, a blood test or something, like, it almost seems like there's no way I could have anything wrong with me. But as soon as, like, if I was told there was something wrong with me, it would be, like, I would just deteriorate right there. You know, that's the whole thing, too. It's like, um, I realize, like... You know, the psychosomatic, like, what you think about. Like, if you stare at your finger and you just say, ah, my finger's going to hurt, my finger's going to hurt, eventually your finger's going to hurt. And it's going to be a lot, you know, tons of pain. But, you know, a lot of ways it's kind of like an out of sight, out of mind. And as long as you're mentally healthy, somehow your body acts healthy too. And the minute that you think something's wrong, it always ends up where something goes wrong. Yeah, right? Like, so, I, I got that yesterday. So, I was I went and uh, the dude that I get weed from he uh, he was sick and you know whenever like if you go to some place where a lot of people get weed from it's yeah. always like everybody's using the same bong like you know that there's like a <laughs> there's like a set series of germs that exist there you know? you know but we build up immunities I think over the years and you know. I probably have more shit in my body than I care to ever know. Yeah, and right. it's the same type of thing, I think, for everybody. It's just like, how many times have you been at a party year present or years ago where, you know, a bottle of tequila or a bottle of whiskey passed through 50 people at least, you know? And, like, you don't think about what that person might have or that person have. You just go for it. And they very well could have something. But it's one of those things that your body builds up uh, immunities to do that stuff, or at least you hope. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks for taking the time to sit down and shoot the shit with for me. For sure. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've been the podcast is like I, I mentioned to you uh, via email has been really art focused, 
But I've, I've been wanting to get um, young entrepreneurs on the show to, to, to talk about the sort of creative aspects in business. Uh, well, thank you for calling me young. I appreciate that. Well, I think, you, you know, at least when you started Rebel 8, I, how old are you? Do you want to say how old you are? Is yeah, it? I have no problem with my age. I'm 32 years old. That's young, man. Yeah, I mean, c- comparing to like an old, uh, uh, a grandparent. You know? Somebody who's, who's, <laughs> who's 10 years older. But no, I think I think uh, in this time and, and period, in a lot of places in America, there aren't young business owners. I think uh, definitely the city of San Francisco, there are certain cities in America that, that seem to be more um, uh, sort of geared towards young entrepreneurs or even just private business owners. There's there's a lot of places, like San Diego isn't one of the places that's geared towards private business ownership. It's more corporate business ownership, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you've been doing Rebel 8 for how long? Almost uh, nine years. Yeah, almost. So, you know, starting in your young 20s, I think, I think there's a lot of of people who have uh, an idea that they're going to be young entrepreneurs and really don't don't really succeed or you know don't really have the driver focus and make it happen 10 years later. We see yeah, a lot of- well I think longevity is a very different thing, but I mean for entrepreneurship or things like that, um, you know, I think it starts out at a younger age than even saying in 20s where it feels like a real business. I mean, I did a lemonade stand I mean, in some ways, that's not very different. I did that lemonade stand at a bus stop in San Francisco when I was about six years old. Um, at six years old, it's kind of the same thing of starting a business. I figured out how to get some powdered lemonade, had ice cubes, made the lemonade, kept it cold, ran to the bus stop. You know, beyond you, you want to talk about margins. I mean, I must have, I don't know how many times over my money was from how much the actual lemonade cost. But, I mean, there's no difference in regards to that spirit of business and that type of entrepreneurship uh, idea from doing it as a little kid with a lemonade stand to just doing it as an adult. And I think uh, as a general type of thing, I think a lot of parents and everything, uh, for the most part, they embrace uh, their children to be whatever they want to be. Be an astronaut. Think big. Sure, have a lemonade stand. Have a garage sale. Sell cookies. Sell Girl Scout cookies. All that seems fine. But something happens um, either during high school where maybe reality sets in like, holy shit, it could be very risky to do this. You need to be, you know, something else. You need to go to college. You need to do this. And I think that's when sometimes it seems like parents shun entrepreneurship and shun the same creativity they once wanted their children to have at a young age. But I look at kids all the time and they're the raddest things ever. Spirit is, is pure and um, I think a lot of things uh, that they do, it dies uh, throughout their life. And that's when I think it gets really sad. And I think for me, even being 32, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm not the most mature. I'm a kid at heart. I mean, I handle what I need to handle. But at the same time, I never want to lose that, you know, zest for life and that day-to-day excitement. And I think that's what keeps me on parallel with sometimes the mind of a child. Well, do you think do you think some of those sort of like you're talking about the early lemonade stand and you know this sort of focus on business? Do you think some of that becomes genetic? Like, do you think uh, it gets ingrained in our DNA as we get as we pass through like certain cultures? You know, I, I really don't know. I mean, I think that would be something that there would have to be some type of research for me to base any yeah. of that type of opinions on on there. 
but I would say um, I believe as something as you know small as like a little lemonade stand. I think kids uh, of all different backgrounds seem to have that type of uh, thing that they do in their in their life or at one point. I think I just lost you. Not as much to death or drugs, but just as separation of just people change. And I always say, imagine if you walked into kindergarten and you're in a class of, you know, I went to the public school, so it was like 30 or 40 kids in the damn classroom. But let's say it was a private school and there's, you know, 10 kids. doesn't really matter for the point I'm trying to make. But And if they told you, the teacher said, hey, kids, look around. Look at all the kids that are here, and I want you to get to know them and understand that you're going to be together and friends for the rest of your lives, and this is your friend basis. I mean, that's crazy, because as you know, you know, out of all those 10, one suicidal, one dies, a couple turn, you know, gay, another person's successful, this person is homeless now. I mean, it's amazing how when you only in school at that young age are that many people that eventually will be so completely different that will never their lives will never connect in a certain way um, are all together at one point and I really think about that to see how um, it's almost like taking glass and where you smash everything is very close but as it gets further out things spread and I feel that's the way with like looking at a lot of friends that I see now that we had a lot more in common years ago and we've all kind of gone our own ways so Sometimes we connect other people I've gotten closer to and other people, you know, I'll, I'll probably never see again in my life. And I'm fine with that. And we were actually at times best of friends for, for many years, but so is life. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm comfortable with that type of change that happens. So as for in regards to, is it in something to be an entrepreneur or does that happen naturally? Some kids do this and some kids do that. I mean, I think we're a lot more the same in the beginning than we are different. Yeah, true. Um, did, so, did you did you grow up on the the East Coast? Am I correct? No, I, I grew up in in San Francisco. My family is all from the East Coast. So, um, growing up, I'd spend uh, either Christmases or summer times on the East Coast, either between Pennsylvania or Brooklyn, and um, that's where was like kind of like my second home. Um, my mom still talks with the Brooklyn accent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I was born in San Francisco, and it's always really funny because people go, in San Francisco? Like, where? And it's just like, no, in San Francisco, I was born on Masonic Street at Kaiser Permanente. I mean, it doesn't get more Frisco than that. Yeah, right. I, people trip out when I tell them that I was born in San Diego. Yeah. Because it's just well, it's one of those towns that just people aren't born there. I think that's how a lot of, uh, a lot of these areas are. Um in general, but then it could, it could be a generational thing. It could be now that it's totally normal for someone to be born in San Francisco or San Diego. Yeah, exactly. Years ago, it was probably still very uh, transient. And I mean, San Francisco still is, but I think our first big influx was in the you know 60s and 70s, for like sure. this whole area. Uh, and that's when nobody was born here because everybody was coming here. You know, my mom came over here, uh, I think, in the late 60s. And that's where started family, you know. What uh, what was the the migration like for your mom? Like from my mom actually did the same thing, uh, and my father in their twenties moved from Pennsylvania to San Diego uh, in their early twenties. And so, was there was there is there any story behind that? 
Um, my mom, I believe, uh, she loves New York. I think she always wished that she lived there again. But when she left, she never, in the 60s, she never really went back to, like, live in New York. And I think she met my dad doing some type of Peace Corps or something like that. And uh, uh, they just kind of were, you know, with the wind. And like most people that were in that free spirit and in that hippie kind of uh, mentality, they all migrated west. And San Francisco is the spot to be if you were all about freedom of mind and all that kind of uh, fun stuff that we all take for granted. And it was a lot different then. Hey, I'm sorry. We're getting a little bit of breakup in the Skype. Let's, um, you want to try? I'm going to try turning my video off just for a minute. Can you still see? I can see you. Maybe try turning yours off just to see if it's on your end. How's that? Yeah. We'll just see if that works just to make sure it doesn't do. It's just a little normal Skype choppiness. So yeah, San Francisco was uh, hyper pivotal, like that period of time in American history. It's a it's a very interesting uh, one of those changing periods of American history that we're still sort of seeing the effects from. And you know, like you were talking about, like how things spread out from being broken at the center or whatever. We see we see like I was just talking about uh, Proposition 37 the genetic modified or the genetically modified organisms being labeled on food we see that a lot of the problems in our food right now are, is sort of a direct result of the the market crash in the 30s and people coming out of uh, the Great Depression right so they're they're trying to figure out how to not starve again. And we see this, this great production of food and what it has turned into by this time is, is almost like we're a group of people getting poisoned. Right. But at the, at the heart of it, when it was first smashed, we, we see this idea of, uh, trying to feed a society. Yeah. Well, I think in, in specifics to, uh, that whole food labeling, you know, I think it's ridiculous that we shouldn't know what we put inside our body. And I used to not really uh, care too much about this stuff. I mean, I grew up personally with Happy Meals. I grew up with TV dinners. You know, the Hungry Man dinner was my shit. I <laughs> the two-piece uh, with the drumstick in that with the little brownie, the little mashed potatoes, the little uh, corn. I mean, I, I know that those flavors. I mean, that's what I grew up I never had fresh vegetables and things like that. Everything came out of a can when I was growing up. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, and, you know, that's just what happened. Um, but now it's like we have much greater knowledge about, you know, food and how it affects you. And, and in San Francisco specifically, it's we have great options. I mean, to have any vegetable out of a can not only cost more money, it's just insane. I mean, just get the real thing. It's right there. Yeah. So, I feel that when, and for me, the personal choices I make are, um, I make the choices to have, uh, organic when, when it's an option, you know, I, I don't expect I go to taco truck and get a pistol that it's going to be, you know, a pig with a name that is perfectly and all this awesome stuff. But for the most part, I try to balance that when I do have a choice, I feel organic, you know, whole deal and you know a lot of people you know friends say yeah but it's more expensive it's like that egg those eggs are 99 cents these are four dollars and 
and on and on, and it, they always make it more of a cost issue. And I say, yes, of course it is. You know, it is more expensive. That's the time. If you're going to ever spend a little more money, to me, that should be the time you spend a little bit more money. And these are the same people that have no problem spending 6 $7 a day for a pack of cigarettes. Right. No, no problem at all going to a bar and spending $5 on a fucking Pabst beer when you know, you can grocery store and it's 99 cents, you know, it's, it's just, it's just putting, what are your priorities? And I think people need to make the switch to at least when you have the choice with the food you eat, that should be your priority. All that other stuff really, really doesn't matter. You know, I mean, yeah, seriously. And, and the reality is, is that if we start almost voting with our dollars instead of our ballot initiatives, the price of, of, uh, you know, pastured eggs is going to go down because it's going to be more in demand. So there's going to be an, an influx in supply, right? Yep. And it's going to even itself out. And I saw a lot of de- I, I, a, a few of my friends work for uh, some chip companies down here. You know, like that are like parented company by like Kellogg's or Pepsi or Coke or whatever the fuck, and they were all insinuating to their employees that everybody would lose their job, the price of food would go through the roof, that California's food production would basically shut down. And it's ridiculous, because all they were asking for was labeling. And all the, the and they were saying, like, the increase in cost for everything. What the reality was is that they, they realized that they're going to have to start putting real food into the system, because people are going to want that thing, right? It's not that... It's not that expensive to do new labeling in fact companies do it all the time it's uncovering most likely what there's a much larger issue and that's what they're trying to hide i mean if it was a a label i mean oh it increases the cost of those chips what half a penny yeah quarter of a penny i mean the the mass production they're doing here no it's going to be a label that has some crazy stuff in it that no one's going to know what the hell it is they're going to look at a bag of corn tortilla chips and go why is this just not corn? Maybe some oil. You know, what is this? What's that? What's that? And then that's when there's problems. But, you know, and that's where, like you said, it's all about how you spend your money, and that's how you vote, through dollars. I mean, and at the end of the day, that's the if, – if everything is concerned with money uh, in this country in regards to uh, – Jesus, I guess anything um, – you, then your dollar is actually the most important vote, uh, bigger than it bigger than any single election you could, you know, cross a little line with in black ink. Yeah, for sure. And I don't I don't know. I I'm sure that a lot of people realize that, but it seems like a lot of us are convinced that 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 ballot seems more powerful for some reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we like to think it's more powerful and that what's decided there, you know, changes everything. Um I, I agree to a certain extent. I mean, I voted. I, I think it's important to vote. I was actually pretty bummed out in California specifically of how many of the propositions that I thought were no-brainers didn't get passed. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, it, it kind of bugs me out. But um, it's been like that for the last few years. I think California is, even though we've our electoral college puts in Democratic leaders uh Historically, I think the the state is much more conservative than we give it credit for. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's 
a funny thing. I think it's more of a it's a personality thing. It's 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 a individual type of mentality rather than a society. It's um, you know, I, I look at it like sometimes in you know South America, for example. I was down there earlier this year, and we would go certain places and we would stay in a you know I'd stay in a fancy ass resort, and the resort had big big walls all around it, and I had a driver that would take me. From the from my the lobby in like a you know beautiful tinted window Mercedes and we would drive through the slum to get to another place that had a big wall, yeah. um, fire and everything. And what in the car as I'm driving through these things, it might not be that far off that we have this in America and people think that that's oh that's crazy. But you know how many gated communities are in Southern California just for California specifically, same. And it's one of those things that. The rich, when you have the money, if you don't contribute to society, it becomes where you're just almost become prisoner in your little rich areas. You don't have just a general world where, oh, here's a great park that we can all hang out in. Here's beautiful roads and this. It's like, no, you then almost become a prisoner because and you're putting up these walls to shelter you from poverty. But rather, and I'm not, this is not this whole thing of thinking that there's anything about being a communist well, this or that, but the way I look at it is if you're making a shit ton of money, cares if, you know, you pay some uh, more taxes, and it doesn't even be more on a percentage basis. It might just be the same percentage as everybody else. But yeah, you know what? America is giving you that opportunity to make so much money you should have to give some money back to America. And that's speaking from a guy that, you know, myself, that hopes to make an insane amount of money. Which, <laughs> and being honest with that, it kind of further proves my point. It's like, I'm not coming from a standpoint of the, you know, this is where I think it's different from maybe other artists you've had on, uh, on your podcast or self or other artists you know, that, enjoy being you know living this artist lifestyle and maybe not wanting to have a lot of money i know that's a very different thing than even for at rebel eight between mike giant and myself he lives his life as a very minimalist not trying to do this stuff but that's where we have the balance when it comes to a company like rebel eight my goal is to without fucking people up without being an asshole with stepping on people without hurting other people is to make plenty of money that Great product to show a lifestyle that you can be successful and not be a prick. Yeah, the the reality is is we just need to avoid the greed. <laughs> yeah, of course. But the trick it seems like the the evil double edged sword of money is just it it creates a level of greed just in the mentality of searching for it. But with the intention of, of good deeds with it, it you, ha, you can look at it from a different perspective. But it's hard for a lot of people to do that. Well, I think it's the extremes. I think yeah. if you get someone like uh, a billionaire, let's say like Bill Gates, I bet his biggest joy now is spending time with his family. I bet his biggest joy is, well, I think it actually is giving money back to the world. I mean, he's become the biggest philanthropist the world has ever seen. Um, I think you take an extreme off. That's the, uh, I mean, the biggest extreme of the extreme. And the most important thing in his day is probably time and how it's spent. Probably not accumulating more wealth. You take the whole situation to someone that might be, you know, on the poor side that 
have the job they hate, might not make a lot of money. They're they're what they might love as much is, you know, being home and cooking and spending time with the family. I think there's a lot of similarities. I think the people in between of those extremes that are fighting to get more money or fighting to do that stuff get caught up in this hustle where that becomes the only thing that's important to them and that's what they value rather than what's really important, which I feel is how your time is spent during the day, who you spend your time with uh, during the day as well. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of value in that. Well, I hope people figure it out before it's too late. But then again, they, they always say, by the time you figure it all out, you're probably dead. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's I think the whole thing is just one long figured out trip. Yeah. Until well, you're I mean, done. If you're not learning, you're dying. And um, I, you know, my, my stepdad has always said to me, um, you know, you're always learning. If you're not learning, um, what, what are you doing? And I, I try to pick up new and useful information throughout the day, consciously and unconsciously. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm always a student and I always will be a student. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with that, too. And I, that's what keeps me going. Um, I think some people look at Rebel 8 in particular and think it's, you know, this overnight success story or that we're incredibly successful. And I, I feel the, the minute that I even consider um, that Rebel 8 is a great company or we, we're great, that's the one second in the exact time that we'll start taking a turn to being mediocre. And I refuse to ever feel that you know, that we've ever done it or this is it. You know, it's a constant work in progress and it's a day-to-day -day grind. And that day-to-day -day grind, as we said uh, originally, it's, it's nine years and it's not doing something every other day or doing something once a week, once a month. It's a constant 24-hour mental process. You know, it's a constant seven days a week, 365 days a year for multiple years. And that's the only way um, I've found for you know, um, that it could ever, something can even remotely be as awesome as it is today. I mean, if you find another way that I could do something once a week and it could be as successful, yeah, let me know. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, do you, did, did you learn that idea of like, if you get too big for your britches, sometimes shit goes south? Did, did you learn that? Was that taught to you or did you learn that by mistake? Um, Good question. I don't think that was ever really taught to me, but I think the biggest thing that I, um, this is what I learned from Giant over the years was always check your ego. And I think my wife's done a very good job too of keeping it. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that I think it's that same thing as almost like too big for your riches. It's like never think that your shit don't stink, never think that you're better than anybody. Never think that, you know, you know, I think all any cliche you can pretty much throw in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm constantly checking my ego. And any time that I think that I'm the shit or anything, the, the, as soon as I have that thought, the next immediate thought is to think of something way more awesome than I ever am or ever probably will be. And that's not someone that with more necessary money or more fame. It could be someone that has done more for the world that I might ever achieve. You know, it's like, sure. think about, whoa, well, you think you're awesome? Well, what about Gandhi? Oh, yeah. you think you're, oh, yeah, you made a really cool t-shirt, awesome clothes. Yeah, well, you know, Bill Gates changed the music industry. What the hell did you do? <laughs> right. 
drops, you know? Um, it's, it's those type of things that I think can instantly put you in check. And I mean, it's all relative. I mean, you could be a big fish in a small pond, and but you take yourself and you put yourself in a distant situation, and now you're a guppy swimming with sharks. Sure, sure. And it's always like that. That's I think that's that search that you know, like what life is about. Like there's these levels that you don't perceive them until you've you've sort of accomplished. It's like video games almost until you've accomplished all the tasks at one level. You, you don't really realize the next level exists until you start working at the bottom of that one again. Yeah, it's a constant. It's a it's a constant buildup with no ending. And unlike a video game, it just keeps going and yeah. keeps going. You know and um, but that's how I feel. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that are very ego driven and it doesn't help anything. It doesn't even help yourself. I, I don't, I think that's the kind of like your biggest, um, your biggest enemy. A lot of times is yourself in your own mind. Sure. And that motherfucker can fuck with you if it wants to. Oh, boy, can it ever. I, um, I started doing uh, martial arts, doing jujitsu mostly over the last two years, and I noticed um, Rebel Eight's been getting some love from the MMA community as of late. Yeah, I mean that's all organic. I mean I want it to be known that uh, I'm not saying ever or never, but I am saying up until this point we've never paid for any of the celebrity publicity, whether it be a musician, an athlete, um, other artists. Um, or the MMA is what you're uh, mentioning. In fact, the whole MMA thing started with um, our warehouse is a block away from a place called El Nino Training Center. And that's Gilbert Melendez, a.k.a. El Nino, who is uh, the world's best middle, middleweight, something like that. Huge MMA fan. Um, sometimes I get really into it if I uh, watch it, you know. I start working myself up and I started screaming at the TV, but, <laughs> you know, but for the most part, I, I'm not the, the biggest fan uh, of MMA or any sport for that. That, um, But what happened with the whole El Nino, the way we got uh, tied in with MMA in some ways was that we went over there and just said, hi, you know, we're neighbors, literally neighbors. Awesome dude. He loved our stuff and he, we gave him a box and, now we see each other all the time, and um, he wears Rebel 8, and he gave it to uh, his little scrap pack, which are, uh, you know, the Diaz brothers and all sure. those. And they love Rebel 8, um, I, you know, which once again validates what we're doing as a clothing company. And the reason why we don't sponsor as a direct sponsorship to MMA, to skateboarders, to BMX riders, motocross, or whatever. I don't want to be categorized and lumped into, oh, that's that skateboard company. Oh, yeah, those are MMA. That's MMA clothing. Right. Rebel 8 at this point is a clothing company. And my job is to um, hopefully bring all the people within the company to always wanting to creating the best possible product. And we're product driven. We're not sales driven. And by allowing us not to affiliate ourselves directly with any of these type of sports or individuals we're um, also at the same time not alienating ourselves from other uh, worlds and communities so with MMA it's been organic with any of the musicians that you see it's all organic and it's really awesome because these are the same people that are approached with big money and um, 
from other brands that don't have that respect or what I like to feel they don't design a superior product. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I noticed uh, you just dropped the winter line uh, this this week, right? Yes. Uh, the, I guess so. I, it was either I think it was the summer line. There was the uh, loser uh, uh, winners train losers complain. I think uh, a sort of series that came out that like that was between. I believe that was after our fall season, actually. That uh, yeah. So it was in between. Yeah. That uh, that line in particular really resonated with the whole the the idea of uh, of a martial artist, and it's really funny. Like we think of of like fighting as a like a traditional sport. Like I think I think it's becoming sort of Americanized in like how we look at baseball and football and like these sports. But it's a really it's a, it's a strangely different thing. Even though there's the competitive aspects to it and all, but the actual training is. It reminds me a lot of making art. It's it's a very and I know that you uh, you you get your exercise on. I think you just you posted on Twitter that you ran three miles the other day. Yeah, uh, I started running uh, about only two two months ago. So I can't really call myself a runner. But throughout, yeah, I think you've you've gone through some phases. I've seen, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and unfortunately, those they are phases. I'm trying to have a little more consistency with diet, consistency with exercise and health. Um, I feel my mind's pretty strong, but I need to take that same type of practice, what I do to exercise the mentals with uh, my body. And unfortunately, at this point, they are just phases rather than more of a day-to-day mantra and lifestyle. Do you, I, I find uh, hard workers have a hard time putting new things into their life just based on the fact that you're, you're focused on your tasks at hand. Yeah, I think it's more the thing for me was it's very easy to be lazy at this point. I mean, all technology makes it incredibly easy to not think as much, be physically lazy. Um, so I think that is the, the biggest um, problem with trying to inject something that might not be the most pleasant at first or the most enjoyable. It's yeah. a lot easier to not do something than it is to do something. Sure. Can we, um, I think a lot of people want to like know the, the way businesses start. Um, I think for a lot of people, you know, who are involved in whether it be like skate culture or surf culture, there's a lot of young people come up wanting to do what you're doing currently. Like there, there's been a million people who said they want to start a brand or whatever and, you know, have the same focus of making a cool product for, people that you're interested in or what have you so a lot of people i think can't take the that scary first leap into deciding to do something and and like we were talking about focusing um can you looking back now almost 10 years later can you sort of talk about how you were feeling leading up to that point when you decided to start Revelate? Was there those jitters? Was there nervousness in starting it? Like the longevity? Were you thinking like it was like, could it just be a flash in the pan? What what was some of your thoughts, like your excitement and fears trying to start a, a, a company? Okay. Well, I think when I, when I started everything, you know, it wasn't my first company per se. No, I mean, it's like we said, I had that aid stand. 
I had friends in high school, whether it was selling drugs or, you know, selling stolen computer equipment or doing that stuff. I already was in the mindset of, I need to get this product and I'm going to sell it for this much and I'm going to sell it for more than I got it for. And, uh, of course, the best business was at the time if it was stolen. I mean, it's all profit, right? Um, <laughs> over time, when, you know, as soon as I turned 18, I started going, you know, legit. Um, I wasn't really in the mood to get arrested and go to uh, state or federal. Um, but when it comes to a business and doing that stuff, you know, mind you, when I started Rebel 8, I was 23 years old. And like most 23-year-olds, uh, life was a lot different than being in your you know, 30s. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a family. I didn't have um, nearly as many cares. I was okay eating you know, ramen. I was okay sleeping on floors. I was okay not even sleeping. Um, so I think it was very different uh, at that point for me to be able to take larger risks and for me to not give a shit if it fails or it succeeds and at the same time be fully invested in, in Revelate um, and give it all my heart and just everything I possibly could. I think for a lot of people, the hurdle that they have when they start a brand or if they're um, not starting a brand, um, it's, it's in their own mind. And I think the similarity I could draw is maybe like a painter like yourself. Sometimes, you know, you're painting and you're looking at your, you know, your your piece, and you keep adding more stuff to it, and you never really think it's finished. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to just take the damn thing off the easel, put it on the fucking wall, and say, "On to the next. I'm done. Here's this painting. Let's put it to market. This is what I did." And I think that's the same thing for starting a brand. Um, you know, there's so many ways that you could, you know, build a brand from even the basics of making your first T-shirt or your first product. And you can tinker and tinker with it till you feel it's perfect or ready. But the, you know, like I say, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be ready. It's always going to be a work in progress. But that's where you have version two. That's where you have version three. To you know, you just sometimes have to jump in and do it. You know, unlike some business owners say, of, "Oh no, you got to just go for it, jump in, and handle that." I strongly disagree. I think anybody that gives that type of advice wants you to fail. Um, you know, like I learned unfortunately is that there's more businesses set up in at least the United States that put you out of business and I'm not talking competitors of other clothing companies specific to Rebel 8 I'm talking companies that their entire business is to try to leech onto you and take money whether it's your credit card processor that wants to switch whether it's um, someone that is offering you all the things in the sun of bullshit you don't need whoever prints your checks I mean you can get it could be as complicated as you as you want to make it or as I can take it on a tangent forever. But the fact is, is that a lot of businesses are set up to take money from your business and you don't really need them. Yeah. So when, when I started Rebel 8, I didn't quit my day job. I didn't say, oh, this is it. I'm going to go for it. Because I feel with that advice, it's you're setting yourself for defeat. You're setting yourself up for failure. And you're setting yourself up if this company doesn't work, you're really fucked. I think the same thing when some people tell you, oh, you need money to start. I've never seen a company succeed without promotion, without advertising, without this. You gotta get credit, you gotta max this thing out. I think that's completely the wrong idea. I think it's an awful idea that you feel that you need to go in debt at a 
general rule to start a company. Naturally, when a business starts, there might be loans, there might be debt that you do uh, accrue. But the difference is, though, is that make sure that debt is for the goal to get the hell out of debt. Don't do it just for the sake of trying to spend money in the beginning to, you know, create smoke and mirrors that aren't going to eventually have something that's tangible. When I first started up late, I was doing quite a few things. I was valeting cars. I was doing catering, staging. And that's not to say that I had other little hustles during the same time. It was only when I made the choice where it was, I felt really torn between both worlds of trying to be this entrepreneur and trying to do my day-to-day, -day, my 9 to 5 or my, you know, my midnight to 2 a.m. Whatever the case with those two things, eventually I said, I'm going to go for it. But it was done at a time that it never feels right, but there will be a point and you'll know when that point is where you have to make that decision to invest 100% of your time and your, your mind into uh, the company. Yeah, because there's a very fine line, right, between just running yourself too thin from either end of the spectrum and having multiple things fail at one time if you don't focus the, the proper amount of time on on the egg or whatever. Yeah, it's and that's just the balance. And only the person starting a business can decide when it's time to make that move. But I do feel why so many people never i mean aside from failure that's a whole other thing but uh from the reason why people don't get started and even make that first step a lot of times is their own fear and their fear of failure sure fear, worst thing you could ever have in your mind about anything never be afraid and sure as shit never be afraid of failure because yeah, the reality is a lot of times it's those those mistakes doesn't even have to be as severe as failure, but it's those mistakes that teach you new things. I don't. I think that in my experience, the only thing that have really taught me serious life lessons or or given me more creative ideas was sort of fucking something up on accident. You know? Yeah. It's. I mean, we, to say that when I started Revelate, that during the course, this time that I had not made mistakes cost you know money um embarrassment or, or or any of these things is ridiculous it's it's constant like that you, it has to be that balance or hopefully you do a lot more good than you do bad hopefully you don't mess up a lot more than you do mess up <laughs> other way you're probably not going to be around for very often um but it, it it's those are what you know growing pains that's just learning and i always say whether you're in school or learning costs money and I didn't go to school to learn how to start a company. Um, I don't even know if there's real programs that know how to uh, start a streetwear company or clothing and you know have to work with artists and do any of that. Um, but you, you move on and you, and you learn as you go. And um, that's where it goes, you know, what we, we spoke about originally. Um, it's 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 a constant learning and it's a constant prog uh, progress and a constant process. Is there anything besides what we just discussed that you would go back and tell yourself ten, ten years ago that you know now? Uh, ten years ago, if I could go back, aside from saying, "Hey, you should probably invest in Google." <laughs> yeah, besides like the Back to the Future, get rich from sports betting. And given this great idea to call it Facebook. Um, 
No, aside from any of that type of stuff, you know, specifically to uh, Rebel 8, that I think could, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's one of those things to hopefully help someone that might be listening to this and say, God, what should I be doing or not doing? How can I mess up? Which I love to help people out and start their business. I love business. I, I, I love it. I'm fully, fully passionate. As you're as passionate about your art, I'm as passionate about business. Yeah, that's why I wanted to have you on. You know, but I just love it. So I think a few big advice, uh, the biggest advice, I think, first and foremost, is even what I'm telling you right now, take everything I say or anybody says as a grain of salt or with a grain of salt, Yeah. Uh, however it goes. Meaning, um, it's not, not one person has the right answer. Um, there's, there's a lot more people with wrong answers. Um, you can, you know, look at me as someone uh, that has done it already. So hopefully I have a little more weight and credibility into what I'm telling you versus some guy that hasn't done this before. But even with that said, you know, take as much in from multiple people and that's how you can make a great decision uh, or a decision that's best for you personally and uh, yourself. Another, I think, big rule is if you've already just started a brand or are about to start one, and when I mean brand, uh, it's not just clothing. I think people have this connection with the brand's clothing. Um, Google is, much, is as much of a brand as Girl Scouts of America is a brand, Red Cross is a brand, um, Apple Computers is a brand, Microsoft. I mean, it could be anything as a brand. Mike Maxwell, Mike Giant are, in a sense, individual brands. Um, so if you're going to start something, make sure that you figure out what you want to achieve by starting this. And I think the earlier on that you figure out why you're doing this and what the goal is, it will help dictate how you want to do it. Um, be very careful if you have uh, partners, uh, business partners, in what you're doing. Make sure they're on the same page. And a big rule of thumb, or, um, well, it's not really rule of thumb, sorry, but it's a big fact you'll realize is that you'll never think someone else is working as hard as you. And it's very hard to find uh, a partner when you're starting something that's going to be as motivated, as passionate, as dedicated, and as hungry for it as you may be. Um, accept that early on, or and if you can't, um, then do it yourself. That's such an interesting point about working with other people, like having a business partner and thinking that you're the hardest working person while nobody else is doing anything. It's such a truism. Like, it, there's the uh, the Bob Marley song that he says, uh, every man thinks his burden is the heaviest. Yeah, but that's where it comes to the relativity. To you, yeah. when you're starting something or going through life, that becomes, it is the biggest deal and it is the most important. Um, you know, it's, it's the same thing of, you know, when, you know, you look at a, a rich teenage girl that's complaining that daddy won't buy her Mercedes, she, she got her, you know, the Jetta, damn it, but my friend's got this one, and in her mind, that's a huge problem, and yet, you know, on the other side of town, there's a teenage girl that just got pregnant that the parents kicked her out of the house. Um, even though, you know, you look at it like, why is this person complaining, perfect life in this, in their own mind, it could just be is severe and it can cause exactly the same amount of stress that could hurt them individually which is a crazy thing to think about yeah so other things in regards to starting a business uh, man 
don't go into debt if you don't have to. You know, be as careful with spending the money and make sure it's working where you need it to work. Um, you know, Revelate, I, you know, I think I've said it a few times and you probably know. I mean, I started Revelate with $500 cash and people are like, no way, or like, that's crazy. And I kept it really, really basic. I kept it like the drug game, meaning I had $500. If, and it, this is not experiment and it wasn't sitting on a million dollars and say let's see how crazy this is i'm gonna start this company with five dollars yeah let's you know i had five hundred dollars that's why i started five hundred dollars i was all in i was dedicated i was going for it but with five dollars i was able to print you know a few t-shirts you know i got t-shirts for around five dollars i sold them for ten dollars when i got about a thousand dollars i made a few more t-shirts and that's how i carried it and that's how i grew it um so you can, and it, it could be baby steps and it take time. I think the biggest thing is don't think there's any overnight sensation. Don't, don't look at other companies or other either within your industry or outside and say, how the hell are they doing it? My friend Cole told me many years ago is you never know what other people are working with. You don't know their backgrounds. You don't know um, if they're rich or poor or what their goals are or anything. And that's where it really comes to make sure if you're starting a brand, that you're doing it for what you want to do as in what you're trying to achieve personally. Sure. Uh, and I think that that's great advice for artists too, you know, even though we also included them in as a brand. Yeah. It, it's this, it is the same thing. Like, what are you trying to achieve? Um, are you trying to be that pop artist that makes money and is on, you know, that you on the cover of some cool new art magazine? Are you trying to, are you painting just for yourself and you just want to hang some stuff in your house? Are you trying to be, you know, like, and that's just, and no, once again, there's no wrong, there's no right. It's just about what you want to achieve and what you want to do. Dang, man, that might be a good spot to to end on. Let's oh. um, let's uh, let's plug your stuff so people can uh, can get themselves revelated up. Uh, revelate.com, R-E-E-L number eight com, all day, every day. Uh, on any of the social sites, Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook.com slash Revelate, on Twitter, Revelate, Instagram, Revelate, uh, Tumblr, Revelate.tumblr.com. It's always Revelate with the number eight. Um, yeah, there you go. Nice. Let's turn the cams back on so we could do um, internet dap. Uh, are you there? There we go, yeah. Boom, let me get some, some dappage. Bam. Beautiful. All right, Joshy, thank you very much for, for taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. I had a wonderful time, and I hope everybody listening uh, puts down this video or puts down whatever they're doing and just fucking gets to it and not worry about failing or doing whatever. Do what you got to do and have fun and uh, let the rest be history. Make your own destiny. Beautiful. All right, brother. Have a great day. And are we turning this off? Uh, yeah. We're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Talk soon. All right, brother. Be good. Hey, dude. Check this old fly shit out. Word up. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Here we go. Check this shit. I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job. Had second hands. Moms bounced on old men. So then we moved to Shallon Land. A young dude, you're rocking the gold tooth. Low goose, only way I begin to G-York was drug loot. And let's start it like this, son. Rolling with
this one and that one Pulling out gats for fun But it was just a dream for the team Who was a fiend Started smoking wolves at 16 And running up in gates and doing it for high stakes Making my way on fire skates No question I was speed for cracks and weed The combination made my eyes bleed No question I would flow off and try to get the dough off Sticking up white boys on board Sick ass click and went 